All right, kids, where are you guys at? Raise your hands up. I promise I'm not going to do magic. Um, so, I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors at uh, Believer's Church. I want to welcome you to worship with us on Easter. Normally, uh, as a church, on the first and third Sunday of each month, kids are in the service with us, and then on the second and fourth Sunday, kids are, are out of the service in a thing we call Kids Connect, so kids can learn what it's like to be part of the body of Christ. Uh, but today, even though it's a second Sunday, we wanted to have kids uh, in here with us for Easter, and so kids, raise your hands up again. Let me see where you're at. All right, so my first question for you is... What's in the box? What do you got, Jaren? You don't know. <laughs> Levi? Something. He's right. Something's in the box. Specifically, what something is in the box? Olivia, what do you think? Air. I mean, there is air in the box. I'm looking for a specific object, though. Evie? A Bible. That's a good guess. Lucy? A doll? I think I have lots of dolls in my house. All right. Hang on. Okay, what about now? Now what's in the box? No, the cloth is on the outside of the box. The same thing that was already in the box. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised you guys aren't figuring this out, to be honest. A clock? Yeah, not a clock. But that's a good guess, too. Okay, are you ready? What about now? It's a cup. You got it right away that time. Why did, why did Liam get it that time? Because you could see in the box. That's right. The reason why we're, we're talking about this is because today, our passage is from this book of the Bible that, that maybe, maybe we don't read very often, or maybe we read it way too much. That book is the book of Revelation. It's kind of weird, says some strange things, but in the book of Revelation, what God is doing is he's, he's revealing something to his people. Just like we didn't know what was in the box, and then you know I took down that cloth, and you could see there was a cup in there. God, in Revelation, tells us about the things that are going on in the world kind of behind the scenes, behind the cloth. He lets us know more about who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing in the world, and because of that, it's, it's a book that, that should be a lot of encouragement for us as God's people. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and talk to your parents and ask them about the good news they learned today from the book of Revelation, about how it helps us see the world with different eyes because of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, so let's pray, and then I'll read our passage this morning. Father, we thank you that you, you are good and that you love us. That you sent your son into this world to, to redeem it, to redeem us, to, to fix what was broken. Uh, to, to pay the penalty that we should have paid for our sins. Uh, but also, Jesus, that, that you rose again victoriously. Conquering sin and death and Satan. And that, that you live right now. You live 
uh, interceding, mediating on our behalf with your Father so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can experience and, and live in and participate in the love you have for us as your people. We pray this morning that you would send your spirit to, to help us to understand the, the words we're going to read this morning from Revelation, that they would be a benefit to us, they would be an encouragement to us, they would be a source of hope for us as your people as we seek to go about our lives in, in a fallen and broken world. Jesus, we thank you for your life and your death, and especially today, your resurrection. In your name we pray, amen. So today... We're in the book of Revelation, and I'm going to start reading uh, verses 1 through 8 of chapter 1. Uh, the words are going to be on the slides behind me uh, if you don't have a Bible. Also, if you need a Bible, there's some on a shelf in the room right next to here. You can feel free to take one with you today. Again, that's the book of Revelation. It's all the way at the end, and we're going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So before we get into this passage, uh, I want to kind of answer the question that I would assume at least some of you are asking and that is, why in the world are we talking about the book of Revelation on Easter? It's, it's because I want to ruin Easter. That's why. Um, but really, it's not, it's not that. I, I like Easter and don't want to ruin it. It's because I, I think we ask that question because the book of Revelation seems, seems weird to us. It seems intimidating. It's kind of that, that part of the Bible at the back that Christians either, either don't talk about at all or talk about way too much, right? Like if you go to a party and you meet someone and you're like, what are your hobbies? And they say, well, I collect stamps and I read the book of Revelation. You would say, let's talk about stamps, <laughs> right? There's this, this stigma that causes us not to spend time in this book. And the reality is, is that the book of Revelation was written, it was given to the church to be a source of hope and encouragement for them, to, to build up the church. And because we're kind of afraid of it, or because we, we've seen kind of bad expressions of it, we just tend to stay away and miss out on learning some, some really important things about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so today, uh, I want us to, to go through these first eight verses of Revelation so that we can benefit from what it tells us about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so 
I want to give a little, little background that we get from this passage that will help us understand more about why we're doing this. So the first two verses that we read, they, they talk a lot about what this book is. It says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So right at the outset, the, the purpose of this book is to tell us, to, to reveal to us more about Jesus. Just like I flipped down that cloth and the kids saw, hey, there's a cup in this box. The book of Revelation does that for us about Jesus. It tells us more about who he is and what he's done. Uh, it's, it's God revealing Jesus to his people at a time when they're facing suffering and, and trials and persecution, and he's telling them about what will take place in the world, kind of what's going on behind the scenes with what they're facing. It's a, it's a peek that God gives us behind the curtain. Uh, the second thing we see in these first two verses is that Jesus gave this revelation to, to John. John is the, the beloved disciple who wrote the Gospel of John. He's the, the son of Zebedee, the son of Thunder. Uh, at this point, he's old. He's been exiled on the island of Patmos. Uh, Christian tradition tells us that the emperor Domitian took John and tried to kill him by boiling him in oil. And John survived, and then this kind of failed deep frying attempt. He, the emperor sends John to this island to be exiled. And this is where he's, he's given this revelation and writes it down for the church. And there are a whole lot of things about this book. Like if we were to go through it all today, we would be here for a long time and there would be a, a lot of things that would be unclear, that would be debated, right? There have been, you know, conferences and, and books and whole like charts and graphs and like whole theological positions created about the book of Revelation. There's lots of places where, where Christians can disagree about this book and, and what's clear and not clear. But, but one thing that's very clear about it is that the purpose of this book is to build up the church, to give us hope, to, to encourage us. Jesus isn't giving them a, a peek behind the veil so that they can argue about interpretation. Right? He's doing that to give them hope, to, to build them up. He, he's telling them, verse 1, the things that must soon take place so that they understand what's happening and why, so that they can have hope in the midst of their suffering, so that they can go through life with this, this big cosmic vision in mind. And so it's with that mindset that we're looking at these verses this morning. So John uh, gets this revelation from Jesus. This messenger, this angel, bears witness to, to the word of God, to the testimony. That's what John saw. And then in verse 3, he says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Again, these words are meant to be a blessing to the church. Specifically, we find out in verse 4 that John is writing to these churches in Asia, the seven churches in Asia. If we would keep reading in the book, we would find out that these seven churches are, are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. That's who's, who's receiving John's revelation. So what does he say to these churches? Right? What is this, this message of hope and encouragement that goes out to them? You know, a lot of times at the beginning of, of these letters, of these books in the New Testament, where they're like, this is who wrote it, this is who it's to, these are the kind of the intro, we just, we just kind of blow through that. But if we're willing to slow down and dig in, there's a whole lot of really good theology and really great news in these passages. And that's what we're going to see this morning. So first, John gives them a, a Trinitarian greeting. He says, grace and peace from, number one, the eternal Father, who, who was and is and is to come. Number two, 
the seven spirits who are before the throne in Revelation. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is is talked about as as a single person, the Holy Spirit. Other times the number seven is used, which kind of represents perfection and completion. And then number three says grace and peace from Jesus Christ. So he's saying God, who is three in one, greets you. Grace and peace from him. And then he's going to give us three things that tell us more about Jesus, about who he is. Number one, he is the faithful witness. Jesus is the one that that always remains faithful, who's always trustworthy, who's always truthful. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's it's who he is. He, He is faithful. He never wavers from being faithful. Number two, He's the the firstborn of the dead, right? Now things are getting a little Easter-y in this passage. This is a a hugely important identity for the church in John's day. For us, you know, maybe we talk often about the death of Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf, but we don't talk as often about his resurrection, about his being the firstborn of the dead. But for them, right, they're facing death daily. They're suffering, they need hope. And so they clung to the reality that Jesus is the firstborn through the dead. And so Jesus is, through John, through his spirit, he's reminding his people that, that he has conquered sin, death, and Satan. And because of that reality, they can have hope. And you know, I know that this is, this is kind of stating the obvious, but I think sometimes because some truths are so obvious, we, we just don't think about them, right? But if Jesus died on the cross and then stayed dead, like, he wouldn't be able to help them, right? He wouldn't be able to help us. He'd be dead. Like, it'd be great that he died to save us from our sins, but, but then we're just stuck And we're not able to do anything about it. We're left to our own. And so by reminding God's people that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, he's reminding them that Jesus is alive. He's he's with them. He's present. He's active in their lives. He's there to, to help them and come to their aid in the midst of suffering. So in this, he's, he's reminding them that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. That tells them something about Jesus, and it also tells them something about themselves. The first thing we've already talked about, it tells them about Jesus. He's, he's the firstborn of the dead. He's alive. He's, he's on their side. He's, he's with them. He's actively present in their lives. Uh, that's incredibly good news for them in the midst of their circumstances, but it also tells them something about themselves. Jesus is the, the firstborn of the dead, right? When there's a, a firstborn, there are more borns. Right? Something coming after. He's reminding them about what they're heading towards. Yes, they're, they're suffering now. They face persecution now. They face death every day now. But hope is coming. Life is coming. Death isn't the end of their story. Right? There's hope for them even after death. Because of who Jesus is. Because of what he's done. For those who trust in him They know that they'll be united with him in his death, and they'll also be united with him in a resurrected life, right? He's just the firstborn, and we get to follow him out of the grave. The number three, the third thing he tells us about Jesus, the third identity we get, is that he's the, the ruler of the kings of earth. So circumstances are bad for God's people. 
but he's reminding them that, that things aren't outside of his control. All authority in heaven and all the earth has been given to him. Right? He's the one who rules everything. He's the, the king of kings. He's the ruler who's the firstborn of the dead. And because of that, that means that death isn't going to take his throne from him. He's going to stay on it. And he's the one who can work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even, even bad kings, even rulers who persecute and hurt God's people. So John is telling the people that Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth. At this point... John is kind of so overwhelmed by who Jesus is that he, he just breaks into worship. He says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. John praises Jesus here because of who he is and because of what he's done and, 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 and is doing. So first, what, what do we see in this about what, he, what Jesus has done? He tells us two things that have already happened, that have already taken place, that are in the past. Number one, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. Right? This has taken place. This is a, a past event. If you have trusted in Jesus for salvation, then you have been in the past freed from your sins. Like that's, that's good news. That's something that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. If you are united with Jesus in his death and in his resurrected life, that means a, a whole lot of things. But one of the things it means is that you are free from your sins. You're free from, from both the penalty and also the power of your sin. First of all, you're free from the penalty. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for, for, for your sins and for mine. Even though he was innocent and sinless and blameless, he suffered in our place, paying our penalty so that, so that we could be made, made right with God. But we're also free from the power of sin, right? Jesus' death and his, his resurrection is his means of victory over sin and death and Satan. He, he, he removes the en enslaving hold that sin has over us. Now, that doesn't mean that, that our, our, our fight with sin, our, our struggle with sin is going to be easy. But what it means is that we finally stand a chance. Right? There, there's finally a fight for us to engage in. Right? We're free from both the penalty of our sin and its enslaving power. The second thing that John praises Jesus for, for already having done is that he's, he's made something. He's, he's made us a kingdom. That makes sense, right? Because he's, he's the ruler of the kings on earth. And as the, the king of kings, certainly he would, he would have a kingdom. And, and we, John says, get to be part of that kingdom. And the language here is a, is a little ambiguous. It says he, he made us a kingdom. Does that mean that he like made a kingdom for us? Or does that mean that he made us kind of like into a kingdom? And I think the answer to both of those questions is, is yes. Right? Jesus rules both a, a place, like a realm, as a king, and he also rules a people. Right? We're, we're his people, citizens of his kingdom, and one day we'll get to be with him in his kingdom where he is. 
And John says it's going to be a priestly kingdom, a royal priesthood. Jesus has, has already done both of these things. He's, he's freed us from our sin, and he's made us a kingdom, priests to God. And at the very beginning of this verse, he tells us something that Jesus does, that he, he is doing. He praises Jesus because, because he loves us. He loves us. Broken, fallen, blame-worthy people. He loves us, right? And so if, if, if you don't get anything else this morning, get this. One of the, 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 the best news of the resurrection is that Jesus is alive and he loves us. Notice that this is, this is present tense. It doesn't say that, that he loved us. It doesn't say that, that he will love us. It says that he loves us presently, like right now in this moment. Jesus loves you. In this moment, right now, he loves you. This, this verb tense signifies something that, that continues. Right? He loves us presently, con- continually. And because of who he is, right, he's the, the firstborn of the dead, so, so death isn't going to stop his love for us, for either him or for us. He's the, the king of kings, he's the ruler of the kings on earth, so, so no one is able to tell him to stop loving him, loving us, right? We don't even have that kind of authority over him. Right? He loves us presently, continually, unendingly. He loves us. Because of what Jesus does and has done, John praises him. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Because this is the king that we serve, John doesn't want his reign to end. And then he tells us what Jesus is going to do in the future. He says, Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So Jesus is alive, he's the king of kings, and he's, he's coming back. Everybody's going to see it, there's going to be some, some wailing because judgment is coming with him for those who haven't trusted in Christ, but even so, John says amen. He longs for Jesus' return because he knows what it means for him. He knows what it means for God's people. Right? It means that he's going to get to be with Jesus. Right? He's going to get to be with the one who freed him from his sin. He's going to get to be with the one who's the firstborn of the dead. He's going to get to be with the one who who loves him continually. His his tears will be no more and sin won't exist any longer. Of course, John longs for that day to come. The passage closes with another reminder of who Jesus is. It says he's the Alpha and the Omega. This is the first and last letter of, of the Greek alphabet. So, if, you know, Revelation was written today, it would say the, the A to the Z. And it would mean the same thing, but it, but it wouldn't sound as cool. It means that Jesus is, is the first and the last, the, the beginning and the end. He's, he's the creator of everything. He's the one who made it all. And he's also the, the point of it all, the, the thing, the person that history is moving towards. It's Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who is, who was, and is to come the Almighty. Easter and, and this passage, 
This, this, this revelation of Jesus to John and to us serves to remind us that Jesus is alive. Presently, he's alive. He's the firstborn of the dead. He rose again victoriously. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. And it serves to remind us that, that he's not done with us yet. Right? He has already freed us from our sin. But one day, he's going to delete it from existence. He's made us a kingdom and priests, but one day we're going to get to be with him in his kingdom and, and serve him personally. He loves us right, right now. And we know that. We, 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 we hear that. We, we believe that. We embrace that. But one day, we're going to understand his love for us in a way that, that we never have. Jesus is alive. He's with you. He loves you. And he's coming back for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I am so thankful that you are alive. And that because of who you are and what you've done for us, we know that you hear us when we pray. We know you love us when we pray. And that you love us when we don't pray. Thank you that you haven't left us alone to deal with life in this broken world, but that you've given us hope, you've given us good news, you've, you've told us what we can look forward to. You've promised that you're going to fix what, what's broken about this creation, what's broken about us. And so we pray that you would, you would fill us with hope as we look forward to what's coming. but that also you would send your spirit to help us to, to trust in the reality of what you're already doing right now, that we would rest in the love that you have for us, that we would rest in, in the control you have over all things, and that we would endure both the good and the bad in this world with faith in you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf and for your resurrection victory over sin and death and Satan. It's in your name we pray. Amen.